Today on the podcast, 43 home cooks will battle out to see who can be master chef. We're talking about Halo today. and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and uh, thank you very much for listening this week. For this week, we are going to be covering uh, the world, fans, and lore of Halo. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. You know what? I was probably going to steal a MasterChef <laughs> joke. And, you know, I got, I've got nowhere to go now. I'm feeling a flood of emotions. No. No. I tried. I tried. All right, I'm just going to write down the thing that Z is going to say when I introduce him, and we'll see if I'm right. Oh, no, my, my act has been, been leaked. Uh, Nick Z. Well, uh, T, I mean, you did have to do a little bit of a, of a reach for that, but uh, still pretty good. How did you make it worse? <laughs> everybody see? Bye. The power, oh my goodness. the power of puns. The, the quality's bad, but like I definitely see it's a bit of a reach. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> and introducing our special guest this week, co-host of Podcast Evolve, we have Krista. Krista, thank you for joining us. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the best of everyone. I don't even. I'm not even mad. Simple and ah. sweet. <laughs> thank you for joining us today. Krista, to talk about Halo. I'm going to start us off with a little bit of just a tiny little bit of background about Halo. If you're listening to this and you don't have any idea what Halo is to kind of give you some background. And Krista, please correct me when I am wrong, because I will (laughs) probably mess up some things. Well, actually. (laughs) Perfect. It's the type of stuff we like here on the show. (laughs) (laughs) For those who do not know, Halo is a military science fiction first-person shooter video game franchise created by Bungie and now managed and developed by 343 Studios, a subsidiary of Microsoft Studios. The series centers on an interstellar war between humanity and an alliance of aliens known as the Covenant. The Covenant, led by their religious leaders called the Prophets, worship an ancient civilization known as the Forerunners, who perished in combat with the Parasitic Flood. The central focus of the franchise builds off the experiences of Master Chef... John 117. One, <laughs> uh, one of a group of super soldiers codenamed Spartans and his artificial intelligence companion Cortana. Other characters such as Noble Six from Halo Reach are also introduced in the series. And the term Halo refers to the Halo Array, a group of immense habitable ring-shaped super weapons that were created by the Forerunners to destroy the Flood. They are similar to the Orbitals in Ian M. Banks' culture novels and to a lesser degree author Larry Niven's Ringworld concept. The game franchise has been running since 2001, and in that time, over 65 million copies of the 13 games have been sold, grossing almost 3.4 billion, not counting the books, comics, live-action films, and miniseries, and anime, and I've probably missed some other things (laughs) while I'm at it. You got pretty much everything. (laughs) It's a a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty big scene. It's a, it's kind of a kind of big. I got some stuff going on. It's kind of, <laughs> oh, it's kind of a big deal. 
Um, <laughs> it's, one, it's kind of kind of a big franchise. One of the, one of the things that I like about the uh, Wikipedia article on Halo is that it points out that it is now used to to reference other things, i.e., Halo Killer or Halo Clone. Ah. It's it's like the standard set for like great selling video game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's as old as my friendship with the other Knicks. Oh man, yeah. Like the Xbox just came out. I mean, this isn't a podcast about how we're all old men, but um, but that hit me when we were doing this research. It's no, it's an old it's an old franchise. It's been around for a long time. Mm. One thing that works to our benefit, given that it's been around for such a long time, is usually we use Google Trends data to take a look at you know how popular is this relatively speaking relative mm. to itself. And Google Trends only goes back to 2004, which which conveniently uh, takes us all the way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so I took a look at the data and I was curious this week because this week, unlike many other weeks, I actually had some things that I might want to compare Halo with. So I was like, ah, how does it compare to Call of Duty or Overwatch or things like that? And things that I I saw, uh, Halo is most popular whenever a game is released. No surprises Mm -hmm. there. And mm. in general, it's been on a slow decline, but so have uh, any of the other games that I mentioned. There's been less interest in those things over time. One thing that I found super interesting, and maybe you'll have more insight into this, Krista, is at some point, interest in Call of Duty kind of like starts creeping past Halo. And that generally stays the same f- for like, I don't know, 2008 or 2010 to the present, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> yeah, boo Call of Duty. I'm guessing, but boo. Like long-term Halo fans have definitely stuck with the franchise. Like people who played one, played two, played three usually keep buying the games as they come out. So some of the new generations haven't really adopted Halo as much. So I think I think that's one of the big problems. Also, Call of Duty's like that. Uh, it's it's the hey, I have an Xbox, I have two games. It's FIFA and Call of Duty. That's the games <laughs> I get every year. It's just one of those games. I looked up the, the country data. Uh, this one mm. is a little bit more homogenous than most of the time. Uh, top 10 countries, Mexico, Colombia, United States, Australia, Canada, Guatemala, New Zealand, Panama, Puerto Rico, and uh, the United Kingdom. So uh, mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot more English-speaking mm. countries than we usually see. Yeah, we, we actually see that a lot on, like, we have Facebook groups and we have discords and stuff like that. And two of my other co-hosts are actually from Ireland. So we get, yeah, we get a lot of, uh, it's, it's really fun trying to pick times to actually record <laughs> stuff. It's great. Oh, it's boy. like, I'm five hours behind you. <laughs> but um, it's interesting. It's a very uh, worldwide community. It's, it's really cool, the people you meet through the, through the Halo stuff. <laughs> One thing that I pulled up for this week that we don't often have is a couple of different groups have tried to you know try to figure out what the demographics of of halo fans are and so there's one particularly comprehensive i I don't want to say study but survey that was run on the r halo and i'll include that in the show notes Mm -hmm. and it gave us some information about gender age employment ethnicity and marital status of halo fans and some of the information i think is a little bit biased but it's still paints an interesting picture. So uh, in terms of gender, I think it, the response was 96% male. Oh. Yeah, that's, that, sounds, that sounds pretty correct. Oh, jeez. 
age, uh, mostly folks 18 to 24, about 60%. 15 to 17 is another 22. 25 to 34 is another 14. So that's like most folks are, you know, 34 or under. Mm-hmm. Uh, most folks, students, 51%. Uh, or full-time, 22%. Part-time, 13%. Uh, mostly white, not super surprising. Most of the data that we get from fan surveys tends to be skewed in that direction. Yeah. And mostly single, 86%. (laughs) I I don't want to, not, not saying that it's, uh, mostly college frat boys, but it's, that's the data we have. So yeah, yeah, I I mean, I mean, the demographics certainly support that it's, that it's, that it's people with a lot of time to play Halo, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, Single students. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And uh, just to quickly wrap up the fandom facts that I've got, I did find that there are fan works on Archive of Our Own. There's about 600 fan works related to Halo, most of which <laughs> mm-hmm. are, are gen, about 46%. Uh, there's some female male, about 35%, and a much smaller percentage male male, 10%. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I found most interesting was the relationships. Most of them do not appear to be organized around relationships at all, uh, or at least not categorized as such. Cortana and John 117 are 10% of the fix. Really? Only 10%? Yeah, I don't know if it's just like tagging or or what, but uh, it's a very low percentage. Second spot, does anybody want to guess? I know that the Knicks, myself included, uh... have no idea. (laughs) Is it Sarah Palmer? Oh, that's a good guess. That's uh, in the third place slot, Thomas Lasky and Sarah Palmer, 2.4%. There's not a lot of... Is it Miranda Keys? Nope. Yeah, this one is almost impossible to guess. It's in a bizarre twist. It's original character and original character. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, <man. laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> There's there's not a lot of emotions to work with in the Halo cast. They're all very serious, so it makes sense. Those little moments and, and subtle glances and things that people can <laughs> uh, can turn into full blown fanfic. That's the fandom facts that I've got for this week. Why? Um, also, I'll start with my famous last words last time, and that was knowing knowing very little. But I guess starting with like influences, my question was. Um, does Halo uh, borrow anything from uh, Starship Troopers? It's like superficially, there's a lot of similarities. And I learned that kind of. They're like, I think, a couple small character name references to Starship Troopers, but it seems like um, a more direct influence was Aliens on it, and Aliens was, in, was influenced by Starship Troopers, the book. <laughs> 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 Which came out before Aliens. The movie came out after Aliens. Is there much, um, much in the community of people gathering around or talking about stuff that is Halo-like? When we talk about Halo, it's usually mostly Halo. There's not any... People don't really correlate as much. If you've ever played Halo ODST, it's literally Firefly. Like, oh, okay. it is literally Firefly. Um... A lot of Halo fans tend to also be like Trekkies. We have a lot okay. of Trekkies. A lot of people like Star Wars. Everybody is fighting over like <laughs> is the the lightsaber versus the energy sword. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely find certain similarities. 
when you when you like Halo, you usually like a lot of different sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. Very high, weird sci-fi. <laughs> like there's a bunch that have a strong military aspect to them. But in what in, in seeing the the summary of the Halo story that I watched. <laughs> I haven't I haven't played any of the games, but I wanted to get what I could. But there's there's there are parts that strike me as very Star Warsy. Mm-hmm. Like like they managed to take it take down Halo right, but there was another one that was like new and not yet completed, but was going to fire anyway, which uh, sounded <laughs> to me very Death Starry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's similar in the way that there's this giant weapon that will kill a bunch of things if it fires, <laughs> and then they you know just keep making more. I'm just like ah, we lost one. We'll just we'll just make another one. It'll be fine. <laughs> It reminded me of Elysium, the Mad Bam movie, where the rich people live in a ring in space. Live live on the garbage earth. (laughs) I have a halo all to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess these these planets are kind of garbage, though, right? Because the halo arrays are set up to to destroy the flood. And so it's just Mm -hmm. like they wouldn't you wouldn't have a flood infestation unless you had a garbage planet, right? The flood are interesting in the fact that they will just, they just basically absorb organic life. If there's anything sentient on the planet, the flood can eat it. And it's almost, um, it's pretty uncontrollable because one spore can spread to an entire planet and basically kill them off. The infection is less of your planet sucks and more of you were stupid enough to let the flood out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when it originally, the original encounter... People found this mysterious space dust, and they're like, this space dust is really cool. We're going to rub it on these dog things. Uh-huh. And then it created the flood. This is way out there. You have to read the books <laughs> to get that. But yeah, that's basically it. It's like, it gets really weird. Mental note, if I find space dust, don't rub it <laughs> don't on rub dogs. Don't rub it on dogs. No, okay. don't do it. <laughs> Rubbing it on yourself, that's fine. Dogs, <laughs> yeah, sure. the question. Rub it sure. yeah. on something easier to defeat. <laughs> that kind of brings me to some of the questions that i had from last week too because i had asked you know how much of the fandom is non-competitive and uh and how much of it is is not curative like how much of it is you know making stuff or, or making sense of stuff and i was listening to a bit of one of the episodes of podcast evolved and i realized after i got past the the news bit that a lot of it was about the lore when you encounter other fans krista how much is it about, you know, being, you know, having the highest KD ratio in, in multiplayer <laughs> versus, you know, talking about the different intricacies of the universe? Or as you mentioned, like reading a, a million books. If we round it to the nearest million, it's a million. Actually, the fan base is kind of, I don't want to say segregated, but they're separate. So there's the fan base that follow the Halo Halo Championship series, all of the esports, because there are... Um, there's actually quite a big following of esports. There's a bunch of different teams. They um they have a bunch of different venues in the US and over in the UK that they um you can go to the convention, you can hang out, you can play Halo and then you can watch the pros play Halo. And usually it's a little harder to find some of the lore fans. The lore fans are kind of like they're a little more hidden. You have to kind of find them on threads and stuff unless you actually know someone. It's actually pretty rare that I meet a Halo fan just casually 
and they are reading the books and they know the extended lore and they're very involved in that aspect. There's a lot more people that just play the games and enjoy the esports than actually dig dig the lore hole and get get way in there and start uh, actually uh, it's it's a uh, it's quite the pit of endless lore once you get into it but there there's not as many people willing to jump in sounds like a fandom of two fandoms as i feel like oh tina i think we've had this conversation before not that not that it has the lore that halo does but pokemon is similar and that mm-hmm. there's competitive Pokemon, and then there's like oh, yeah. you know, enjoyment Pokemon, leisure Pokemon, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And there's like the crazy people that are like, there was a Pokemon war. You talk to this one guy in Kanto, and he's a veteran, and yeah. he talks about this yes. war. It's yeah. like, oh, I I caught a Charizard. <laughs> Ash has been dead the whole time, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It's, it's very similar to that fact. I think Halo makes it a little more accessible because the actual Pokemon lore is a lot of they don't they don't have novels that are like here here's a novel you can read it and understand this aspect of the universe or they're actually like encyclopedias I have one it's like it's huge and it um it basically takes you through everything there's a lore encyclopedia and there's an encyclopedia for um just basic gameplay stuff and enemies Halo packages it to you in a very easy to understand and easy to digest way. You just have to be willing to sit and read a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Reading is the theme of this episode. Read this more, a... people. <laughs> read some books. It's a good theme. <laughs> well, that, that was the interesting thing, because when I looked at the survey results, this is where I was just really surprised. Is one of the questions is, have you read any of the Halo books or comics? And maybe I read into it too much and took the NA for all. But... of the folks who responded to the survey had read some of the books or or comics. And that's significantly more than when I think of other video game series. Uh, Actually, Assassin's Creed has a bunch of books. Gears of War has a bunch of books. Um, Elder Scrolls has two novels. So it's not something uncommon for video games, but to the scale that Halo does it, it's pretty uncommon. Also, you said it was r slash Halo? Yes. I tend to find a lot more lore people on r slash Halo as well. Okay. I, I found a couple other, like when I was doing the research for the question, there's like, there is a competitive Halo subreddit. It's got like 6,000 subscribers. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot. The Halo one has 192 and Halo story has 15,000. So I, I clearly have no idea wh- which wins out over the lore because I, I didn't dig into, you know, what are most of the threads in the Halo subreddit? And um, 343 tends to frequent the r slash Halo forms as well. They'll put announcements there and stuff, and sometimes they'll uh, reference it. They sometimes ghost on there. <laughs> they just kind of lurk, <laughs> so sometimes they'll reference, like, some people, someone said this on r slash Halo. <laughs> they are wrong. It's like, okay. I don't step over Z here, because I just realized I thought of a question, then I realized oh. it was Z's question that he told me about, um, about books versus games. Are there... Are there people who who enjoy the books, enjoy the lore and all that, but don't play the games? Not that I found. Usually, so usually the lifespan of a lore Halo fan is they start the games, they play them, they enjoy them, and they want to know more. And then someone's like, hey, there are novels. And they're like, there are novels? And then they start (laughs) reading them. That's what happened to me. I was like, so one of my friends just said, hey, there's a novel. I'm like, 
where can I get it? I need it right now. <laughs> and I bought the the box set of the first three books and uh, and then years, years pass by. <laughs> but yeah, it's usually you start playing the games and then the games never fully explain anything, which I think is really interesting. Like the games will casually explain things, but if you want to know more about the universe, you have to dig deeper. You have to go into the books. You have to go into the encyclopedias, the comics. So the games give you almost a surface level understanding of Halo. And then you get kind of a full encompassing story by reading the novels. Would you say it's consistent, like including the, including the first game? The first game actually doesn't tell you that much. If you actually go and play it, it's like you're on a ring. Oops, it's a weapon. Oops, the flutter out. Oops, we did. Oops, we blew it up. Because <laughs> that that strikes me as like being a video game, especially maybe in 2001, is like more slightly more mature star- storytelling in that you're not taking the audience or the players through every little bit of it and saying, this is what this is, this is what this is. It's just kind of dumping you and letting you see what's going on. It adds a bunch of awe to the game as well. I think because Halo CE has the biggest, like once you first land on that ring and you look around, you're like, I have no idea what you're do- what I'm doing. And that's kind of what it is through most of the game. And um, there's this character called um, Guilty Spark. And he's the uh, he's basically the keeper of the installation. And if you actually listen, if, if you have a wider knowledge of the Halo universe, he explains almost everything that's going on. But if you don't have a basic understanding, it just goes right over your head. But this guy's explaining the entire game with these weird, like, corpses. It's really interesting to go back. Like, I'll read a novel. I'll get a new understanding of something. I'll go back and play the games. I'll be like, oh, that's what that is. A lot of it's like, uh, a lot of it just passes right over your head and you kind of just, oh, it's a coincidence. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And you kind of disregard it until you actually get a greater, greater knowledge of the subject. Which Halo game did they start introducing like data logs as, as kind of just a fun, I, I want to say fun addendum where <laughs> you could like, you know, uh, I know they did it in ODST, but I'm sure they did it before that. So Halo 3 had these text logs that you could find um, dispersed. They were called terminals back then, but they were just, they were literally just a wall of text that you could read through if you wanted to. That revealed another kind of, another depth to the story. It actually introduced the librarian and the didact who you get to see in Halo 4. Mm. But at that point, you have no idea what they're talking about. I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to lose some of you. (laughs) I'm going to leave some of you in the dust. (laughs) what's a librarian (laughs) are you saying just some lady with glasses i mean it's in space so they're like fancy glasses that like float on your face yeah 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 yeah. she still wants you to be quiet though (laughs) well i mean the same is true of ghost librarians so it makes sense for space librarians yeah yeah uh based on on your own experience of i guess like other lore fans you know of, assuming you know of any, are they more predominantly men or women, like an even mix? Just looking at the podcast itself, there are three guys and one girl. So yeah. if that's a good demographic to go off of, it's it's definitely uh, very male-dominated. And I find that most game franchises are very male-dominated anyway. Even Even within the lore side of things for Halo? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I s- there are some really nice females out there that go into stuff, but a lot of the main channels that, you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking to see someone talk about Halo, it's it's mostly men. There There's okay. some girls, like, there's some girl fans out there, and they're really cool, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... It's a very male... Both sides are very male-dominated. I think that lore has more women in it than the Mm -hmm. esports side. But I see a lot of girls at the esports tournaments as well. Okay. It's just kind of interesting because, I mean, it's not exactly... Like, just knowing lore, knowing little facts about the the larger world, larger universe, isn't necessarily transformative. Isn't necessarily, like... Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go off and write your own Halo universe stories... But like, just in my own experience from researching other fandoms and that kind of thing, it's usually the case that if something is somewhat lore-heavy, there seems to be like more of a female representation in the fandom. What I was, was going to ask in the absence of that, but because we're talking about um, kind of women in the Halo mm. fandom, like, whether or not the demographics we talked about at the top of the show, whether or not they're correct... Um, it, there's definitely a discrepancy in terms of representation. And I was wondering, like, how does the community of Halo fans kind of act around that? Not because because we're outsiders. We can only yeah. like, sp- speculate on what things are like. We we don't actually know. We don't even have a lot of observations to go off of. What is what has your experience been like, I guess, as a, a minority in the fandom of Halo? I don't necessarily think like I don't go into a group and say, oh, my gosh, I'm the only girl. This is so weird. I go in like, hey, there are these people that like the same thing as me. So I'm not necessarily like scoping out just to talk to other women in these groups. It's just kind of like being a being a girl and playing video games as much as I do. You kind of just you you learn that, you know, you're mostly going to be talking to guys and that's that's fine. But when you meet another girl that likes it, that's great, too. We all like the same stuff. I think one of the interesting things about Halo is there are there are girls there are girls that play it and there are girls that are very active, which there I feel like it's always like for now it's going to be a minority of men to women and just these kind of fandoms. But actually, three four three itself, two of the two of the um, higher ups in the company are actually women. Uh, Bonnie Ross and Kiki Wolfkill are both women and they're usually the ones going to yeah kiki wolf kills like the best name ever (laughs) but um but they're the ones who are usually doing um like e3 conferences and stuff like that they're the ones usually going out there and representing it which is really really cool to see being a fan of halo and also being a lady (laughs) 343 make any other games 343 has made um halo 5 or halo 4 and up so Halo 4, Halo 5, and Halo Wars 2 are the games that they've shipped. Okay. Also, you can say Halo Reach, because Halo Reach kind of came out during the transition period between Bungie and 343. So the latter half of of Halo Reach, when they were coming out with Halo CE and a couple different map packs, it was 343's name on those boxes instead of Bungie's. Okay. Z, maybe one of the reasons that there isn't as much transformative work is what Krista had mentioned, which was you're talking about like John one, one seven, like master chief. <laughs> there's not necessarily a lot of emotions to work with there. Mm-hmm. There's not even anger, right? Like he doesn't tend to be 
He's, he's very calm and in control a lot of the time. And that's kind of a trait of the Spartans in general. At least the generation that's... There are different generations of Spartans, but the generation that John came from, just a little backstory, they kidnapped these kids at, you know, five, like six or seven. Uh, they kidnapped these kids and immediately started training them to become soldiers. So these kids know nothing else but, you know, being being in the military and, you know, just getting the job done, which is why John's so almost socially inept. He just can't really emote, can't really do anything like that. He's just there to get the job done. And he's almost a silent in the in the more in the more recent games, he's gotten better. But in the beginning games, he's almost a silent protagonist. He's very, 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 very um, quiet. Yeah. And Cortana actually does much of like most of the talking, especially in Halo <laughs> One, it's like ninety percent Cortana, and she has like three lines. <laughs> no. I guess, I guess maybe more in the later games. Do they ever uh, go out of the way to put him in a situation like a social situation like that, where he's clearly not uh, not altogether as he might be uh, fighting? The game Halo Four was all about him losing Cortana, which was a very emotional story for him. So you actually get to see more of his soft side as it as it is. Um, there's also a couple books with him in it. And when he's because the games portray John as the solo, always by himself, lone wolf. But he actually has a team of other. He has three members of a team that he grew up with and he works with. So when he actually starts talking to them and you see him in settings with them, he becomes a little more open in a weird Spartan way. Okay. <laughs> they have weird ways of talking to each other. Uh, it's interesting to see though. Yeah. Cause like, like the first one, as you said, you know, he just needs to be uh, a heads up display basically. With, yeah. With a gun. Yeah. And then, but like, as you keep going and you keep adding stuff, he's going to have to develop a character and it's going to have to like start from being, um, not a, not a, like an audience insert, I guess, but yeah, that's, I mean, Halo one, he was basically, an audience insert. It was just you as a super soldier. And he talked a little bit. He said a couple things, but most of it was you as him. And then Cortana telling you what to do. Does he tend to be one of people's favorite characters or are there much more interesting characters in the chief is, it depends how into the lore you are because once because there's a entire cast of characters that you don't actually see in any of the games uh, in general, people in general, Chief is like Mario. He's like he's the Mario of Xbox, basically. <laughs> he's this icon, which I mean, it's kind of weird, it's a little height difference, but um, <laughs> but um, just people like him because you are him in a way, kind of like how people like Mario or Zelda, Zelda Link. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! I'm gonna get so much hate for people yelling at me. I mean, no, Zelda doesn't you. say much either, so... <laughs> well, what if Zelda was a girl? I mean... Oh, boy. <sighs> Who knows? Who knows? But... <laughs> but, um... It's it's just kind of... People like him because he's resident badass, basically. But there are also a lot of other characters you can choose from if you're just playing the games. Like Cortana or Sergeant Johnson's a big one because he's the big loudmouth. <laughs> He's a sassy one. <laughs> He's telling everyone off. Oh man! <laughs> I picture I picture him being played by John DiMaggio for some reason. Ah. <laughs> You're not super far off. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. He's the just the he's the older sergeant, just not taking from anyone guy. He's just telling everyone off. Who loves that guy? Everyone loves that guy. That guy's he's the <laughs> he was the comic relief in a lot of them. He was the one you laughed at. Is it saying the funny lines. Is it possible that he was too old for this? <laughs> <shit>? ah. <laughs> I mean what? I don't think he said that, but he might have. I can see him saying that. <laughs> felt it. <laughs> You can feel it in his soul as he's talking. <laughs> you just, he's done uh, with it. He's done with going, these aliens. Going to Halo 3 and you just turn on that one skull and, you know, one of his rare lines is, uh, yeah, I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah. Is it? With the, yeah, with the I would have really been cool. your daddy yeah. skull. I don't think he actually says that, but it'd be neat if you found that out. <laughs> <laughs> this was something that I was curious about when doing the research because I'd I think I'd played up to ODST Reach. That was like the furthest that I made it. I don't have an Xbox, so it makes it hard to play. And it would be one of those things that I'd play with like a good friend of mine because we've been playing through the game since uh, university. And one thing that I wondered was, as you mentioned, that's kind of the split between Bungie and 343 Studios. And I only have gotten a glimpse based on the research and listening to a little bit of your podcast that fans seem to have a different attitude towards the the two different approaches to the game. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? I feel like whenever something changes hands, there's always the fa- the purists and there's always the people that love the new stuff. And that's not any different with Halo. There are people that are like, you know, 343 has ruined Halo. It's awful now. Their games are trash. I hate all of them. And then you have the people that are like, the Halo franchise is still good. I mean, maybe the games aren't as good as you want them to be, but it's different. It's a different studio. And some people are just like, Halo, give me more. (laughs) I want more of that. So it's definitely been the same. 343 took a very um, more, especially in Halo 4, they took a very story heavy um, approach to it where they, um, you almost have to read, you have to read like six books in order to understand the full scope of Halo 4. And people did not like that at all. And so they're just trying to find the, a good balance between the lore and the actual games because 343 has actually done a lot regarding the books. I mean, there are like three, four books coming out almost every year that just give us more content to work with while Bungie didn't actually come out with as many novels when they were, um, you know, in charge over Halo. They took a very different approach, which some people like, some people don't. You know, the games are different. It's not not going to be the same. They're just trying to monitor. They're trying to keep up with, you know, Call of Duty and all the other shooters while also trying to stay as Halo as they possibly can. So there are some missteps. There are some things people like. There are some things people don't like. All in all, all, in all the games are still good games. It's just that some of some people still are very nostalgic for, you know, Halo 1, 2 and 3. And they are all they're always looking at for they're always um, comparing you know, Halo 4 and Halo 5 to the original trilogy. It's, it's like, Star. think about Star Wars. 4, 5, and 6, amazing. 1, 2, and 3, memes. And then, <laughs> and then uh, seven, and 7 and 8, and people are just like, that is garbage. Throw that in the trash. Get rid of that. And some people are like, I love the new ones. So it's, it's basically like that. I don't know. When you said you need to read six books to understand it, I was like, I like got goosebumps. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my that's my jam a lot of people didn't like it because they came into the game and they're like i don't understand 
anything that's going on. They um, introduce a lot of these new characters without explanation, and you get the explanation through the novels. Oh. Do the novels come out um, just, like, sequentially as, as, like, a linear story, or are they, like, attached to the games that come out, or how do they... How do they work? They jump around a lot. The first three novels that came out were, it was pre-Halo, pre-Halo 1, during Halo 1, and then after Halo 1 were the first three novels. And then after that, it's like, you know what, <laughs> just throw it to the wind. <laughs> you know, some of some of them are set way before Halo 1, way, way before Halo 1. Some are set way after um, one. One of the trilogies is set during the time that the Halo array was made by the Forerunners. Ooh. And it's all in that's that's my favorite trilogy. Some people don't like it. It's very high sci-fi and a lot of these Halo books are very mil- militaristic. It's a it's a bunch of different characters. It's a bunch of different settings. And one of the hard things to do is actually, okay, when is this book set? Okay, what was going on in the universe? What did they know? Because one of the interesting things about Halo is that they're slowly learning about this new alien race that's trying to kill them. And so depending on what novel or what game you're playing depends on the level of knowledge everyone around you has of the alien race and the forerunners and all the stuff going on in the universe. So the later games, people know everything. The earlier games, people are like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? What is a covenant? I don't even I don't even believe that they're aliens. (laughs) Yeah, because like the the fourth game is where the forerunners, as an example, are are really prominent. Because you deal with their technology, but not with any like actual uh, characters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the didact, which is the forerunner in Halo Four, is really only there because he was lucky. <laughs> he was very lucky. He was kind of he was basically being a bit of a dick, and so they're like, we're gonna put you in this timeout chamber and the timeout chamber just happened to be in a place that when the halo rings fired they he was unaffected so he was lucky um i'm not sure exactly how many more forerunners we're actually going to see in the series i don't think there's going to be a lot more because a lot of them are gone and dead it was a big shock to actually have more forerunner presence in the halo series because it was it was all covenant up until then and then you were just on these structures did it kill the mystery for anyone or was it mostly just like really exciting? Cause I've the summary that I, that I took in also included, uh, Halo Wars, so I, saw, <laughs> I, went to that. I have not been lost yet. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it, keep it on an even keel for everyone. <laughs> it gets pretty crazy, but, um, it was definitely very exciting because the forerunner novels that came with Halo four explained so much and there were so many revelations of course, we still don't know everything. The Forerunner books actually introduced an even more ancient alien species huh. that came before. So it's just like, oh, okay, good. Now we have to learn about the people that came before the Forerunners because they have stuff in the galaxy now. So uh, <laughs> I have to say, introducing uh, that plot twist makes the the name of Forerunner seem a bit short-sighted now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> The people, the people before the Forerunners are called the Primordials. So okay, I, I, yes, yeah. they picked a good name for it. <laughs> I was going to ask, you know, how how long do you think Halo can go on? But I think I know my answer because they're going to do the Primordials, and then they're like, "But there were people before them." 
<laughs> but I, there I were think, people before them. Yeah, I've got you figured out 343 Studios. <laughs> I know what's going on. Well, an, another thing to note is that in all of Halo, we haven't left the Milky Way galaxy. What? Really? In all of Halo, you have never left the Milky Way galaxy. We're still, we're of course way far out from our, the soul system, but we're still in our same galaxy. All this happened in the Milky Way galaxy. So there are still other galaxies out there <laughs> that can have more stuff. This is reminding me a lot of, uh, I think it's kind of a similar thing, but at the end of Borderlands, the first one, it's like, oh, look at all the stuff that's out there. Too bad we're never going to get to it. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, my friend, <laughs> we are going to get there. <laughs> I mean, you could you could go the other way. You could be like 5,000 years in the future. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you could, and then the, af- the after runners. Um <laughs> <laughs> the end of humanity instead. <laughs> Halo recently introduced a whole different like story into the um into the games which is um humanity fighting AIs instead of humanity fighting the flood because that kind of, the flood like humanity fighting the flood in the covenant ended at Halo 3. And then Halo 4 was kind of an in-between moment. And now Halo 5 we're fighting artificial intelligences that humanity itself created that are now rebelling against us. So they started with a really strong new concept because now humanity's on the run from, instead of aliens, they're on the run from their own AI and technology. So um, they definitely and they're de- they're definitely working towards more stuff. The um, series hasn't become stagnant just yet. There's still stuff going on, and they keep going back further and further. Like the newest novel that came out was a novel about Master Chief that was before the Covenant, like right when the Covenant started showing up. So they keep going, they keep backtracking as well, and like they keep rounding out some of the earlier stuff. How much do you think the narrative is driven by current events? I know that's like a really big, fancy-sounding thing to say, but because the first one comes out in 2001, it's probably driven a lot by, oh, I read these cool books and we're going to have this aesthetic and it's going to be like shooting aliens in space. Um, but when you mention, say, like the fifth one where Master Chief is, is fighting against like human-made AI, I'm like, that sounds like they're trying to say something. <laughs> it's very recent, but it's also very popular as well. Like AI's fighting or humanity's technology fighting against itself is something that's always been in sci-fi. It's always talked about in sci-fi. So I think it was an interesting turn for them to take. Though you could kind of see the writing on the wall because with everything, humanity is so... um, The AIs basically do everything. Like all of the ship calculate. They run the ships. They run the planets and stuff like that. So they keep alluding to how reliant we are on, you know, technology and the AI. And so they're going to take it away from us and see what happens. But it's definitely... uh, it's a very modern it it definitely could be a um a statement on oh we're so reliant on technology this is what will happen the technology will start to kill you <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure exactly if that's what they were thinking but you could definitely uh you could definitely twist it that way is every, is everybody generally up for it like continuing to go in this direction after we left the covenant then the flood and everything behind uh, some people like it and some people don't, but like the flood weren't completely destroyed in Halo 3, so they can always come back. And of course, the Forerunners are actually really heavy in this new AI thing as well. 
So um, there, it's it's a whole thing. It's like the forerunners in the AI had the, had a thing going on. <laughs> but um, <laughs> basically, the AIs found forerunner technology, and that's kind of what they're using to rebel against us. Mm-hmm. So um, it's still it's still it still has the themes of the original trilogy, but it just kind of put a different twist to it. Because none of the enemies, none of the enemies that we actually started out with are really dead. The Covenant is still kind of a subsect. It's not, okay. it's not all encompassing like it was. But the aliens are still there, and some of them hate us. The Flood possibly is still there. We've actually seen them post Halo Three, so the Flood is still there, and uh, and the AIs are now not not our friends, and the Forerunners are there too. So I mean. <laughs> like oh and the halo rings are still there also <laughs> by the way the things still? that will annihilate the entire universe oh yeah there's seven of them Ooh. there's seven of the rings so plus many. a plus installation zero so there are eight installations out there right now oh so halo's so, so what you're telling me is halo's not done it sounds hmm? like there's yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> almost putting it that way is like we didn't get anything done, guys. Oh, it's been so like much. seven games. There's so much more to do. <laughs> Even though it seems like Halo is far from over, are people kind of aging out of it? You know, they get they reach a certain age and they kind of drop off, drop out of the fandom. Or are people Halo fans for life? There's definitely like two routes people are taking. Um, a lot of the people that I know and the people I podcast with and interact with are actually starting to corrupt their children. <laughs> oh, I heard that story. That was a great story. Yes. It reminded me very much of a, a good friend of ours. <laughs> uh, one of the one of the show hosts, um, Aaron, he actually has a niece and a nephew, and he started he started giving them the halo books and he, they're playing through the games together. And so every time we talk, every time he comes on the show, we are like, okay, how's it going? What do they think of this? Uh, how are they reacting to everything? And so they're only on halo two, so they can't actually all three play together. Cause um, halo one and two are only two player co-op. Okay. So he has to like, he has to play one mission with one and then play it with the other or else one will spoil it for the other. It's yeah. like this whole thing. It's really funny though. But, um, and, um, one of our other guys, um, Ian, he does our website and stuff like that. He has a couple kids too, and they have a bunch of Halo action figures and stuff like that. <laughs> so some, some of us are corrupting the younger generation. And while I'm sure that a lot of people have actually, you know, just, you know, dropped off the ship. Once they get older, they don't have time for video games or whatever's going on in their life. They found a new franchise to like. So either either way, I think the numbers are evening out a little bit between those <laughs> those dropping off and those being corrupted. We, we're, we're getting legacy fans. Yeah, yeah, that's basically mm. what it is. Uh, T, I think this is a great time for to um, bring up the famous last words of our guest. Last oh, I was actually I, that was like actually on the top of my mind. So it's good that you brought that up again. The guest of our last episode, uh, Nick, he yeah, also Nick, he had asked and I tried to look this up and I I have some hints, but I still don't entirely grasp the concept of his question. He had asked, what's up with that talking plant? Oh, um, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that you have more detail than I do. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. But this is going to get very meta. But um, 
okay, it's 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 a flood thing. So so how the flood work is it infects you. You become part of the flood. The flood actually takes all of the information that you know, it absorbs it and collects it into a hive mind being called the grave mind. And the grave mind almost looks like a weird, twisted, fleshy version of Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, man. So that's that's what he's talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it's like got the weird mouth and everything, but yes, the big talking plant. <laughs> that's that's the parts in Halo 3 where you're like playing the game and all of a sudden the camera does that really bizarre zoom. You need to get out of here right now or I will eat you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the grave mind talking to you and you actually get to he actually you get get to see him face to face on in Halo 2. Um so that's where you get to see like he looks like a big Audrey 2 plant. And then in Halo 3 he's just kind of, you don't actually see him. He's just there talking to you because he's kind of omnipresent when it comes to the flood. If the flood, if the flood are there, he's there. I don't know if that will satisfy his curiosity, but I, <laughs> Nick, if you're listening, I hope, I hope that answers your question about what is up with that talking plant. <laughs> I, I, I saw a clip of it and I was not happy about it. It was, uh, it was upsetting. I guess that's like the general like zombie thing, right? What's scarier than than dying? I don't know. Becoming something worse. Yeah, yeah. That's or, basically what it is. Yeah, or growing a bunch of tentacles <laughs> that are made out of all the calcium in your bones. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's what the flood do. They kind of change you into weird, morphy tentacly things. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> Uh-huh. Critic Aaron Seggers used the grave mind as an example of a frenemy. <laughs> Interesting. It kind of worked together a little bit until you, you know, blow it up. Uh, no frenemy of mine. Let's say that right now. Um, would it make sense to move on to the spotlight? Yeah. Spotlight. The Spotlight is part of the show where we highlight some cool cause related to the fandom that we are covering this week. This week, I have not one, not two, but three Spotlights, uh, which are very relevant and decreasing in relevance, but too bad I came up with them, so you have to <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to this podcast after the fact, you can skip past it, but why would you? Because they're actually pretty cool, I think. The first Spotlight is Installation 01, which you can find at installation01.org. It is a fan-made Halo game being made by Halo lovers working from around the world. They aim to build an artistic tribute to Halo that recreates the multiplayer experience from the Bungie-era games. I don't know if the game is released yet. It says that it will be free to play on all PC platforms, including Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, which is super cool because, like, that's everybody more or less, except for consoles. Uh, They operate carefully under Microsoft's game content usage rules, which I assume allows them to make Halo games without having the ip yeah all of installation zero one's assets are either created from scratch or obtained through the unity asset store and they currently maintain a level of contact with microsoft studios and 343 studios uh so that's kind of cool if you want to check that out i don't know what the state of it is but it looks really cool the second spotlight is queens of gaming which you can find at queensofgaming.com it is an all-female casual gaming clan founded by xd fantasy in 2010 
Clan started off as a Halo-based competitive team for Halo 3, and soon changed to a more casual group and expanded to Call of Duty for Modern Warfare 2, then the next installment for Halo Reach. Through the years, they've expanded to a variety of games such as Destiny, Overwatch, Rainbow Six, and more, and now expanding to PC. With just over 90 members, they continue to expand to more games that everyone enjoys to play and make any necessary changes as are needed. Uh, If you want to check that out, queensofgaming.com. And the last one, which is the least related, but I think it's really cool and too bad, (laughs) is the After Hours Gaming League, which you can find at afterhoursgaming.tv. If you have not heard of this, it's a modern twist on traditional corporate sports leagues like baseball or basketball in that you'd be like with your workmates playing, say, Overwatch or Hearthstone or something like that. It encourages fun, teamwork, and friendly competition on the battlefields of top esports titles, as like some of the ones I mentioned. In uh, spring of 2018, that's this year, they donated $21,550 to charity on behalf of the winning teams and had over 1,700 players. The first five to nine weeks of the season are non-elimination matches, so it's just for fun, and then after that, you know, winner take all. Uh, the league was started by popular gamer and professional StarCraft player Day9 and has different esports every season. Doesn't include Halo this season, but maybe maybe next one. <laughs> Let's see why not. Yeah, and that's uh, the spotlights for this week. All right. Um, Christo, would you like to tell us a little bit more about Podcast Evolved and anything else that you would like to plug? Podcast Evolved, you can find us at halopodcastevolved.com. You can find us on iTunes and pretty much any other supplier of podcasts. Uh, Twitter at Podcast Evolved. Um, and we have a Facebook, Podcast Evolved, as well. So <laughs> if you're searching up Podcast Evolved, you're going to find us somehow. Um, the website's really cool. It has all the links to all of our social media and stuff like that on that. So <laughs> check out the website. It has pretty much everything. You guys have a ton of stuff here. Yeah, like, yeah. You have a book club, I noticed. Mm-hmm. To keep track of all the releases, we review we review the the books that come out. So we take a look at them, and then we have a discussion around them. That uh, that leads me to a, a quick question because I was listening to the podcast and I noticed that there's numbered episodes and then there's other episodes. Are those the mm-hmm. other shows that you do? So we have the main show, which is numbered. We have book clubs, which are usually unnumbered. Um, which book clubs usually go. Beyond just the novels to like whatever TV series is coming out or um, the comics. And then we also have another show called uh, Mission Debrief, which we go uh, mission by mission uh, in the Halo series. And we just talk about the lore implications of the mission, some hidden secrets and just kind of reminisce and be a little nostalgic. So we're on Halo 2 right now. I think the next episode coming out is Delta Halo. So it's a good time to pop on to that. (laughs) So... It's all, it's all fun. It's fun. It's fun to actually go through the missions and get to really discuss them in depth, just mission by mission, instead of talking about the overarching game. Yeah, there's a lot of little details you can probably dig up. Yeah. Tight focus. I have a lot of listening to do. <laughs> <laughs> you, there's, there's, a little bit, there's a little bit of content on the website. You might find <laughs> one or two things to do on there. Yeah, if you ever wanted to play through the games, gee, we could uh-huh. have an Xbox and uh, just marathon them in a weekend. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I think that's doable, maybe. I don't, I'm not sure, actually. The games are like six to seven hours each. They're pretty short compared oh, okay. to, you know, big RPGs. So mm-hmm. they're pretty pretty easy to get through. 
And awesome. one weekend we can play through the first three Halo games, and then for the next eight we can get through Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Sounds like a good trade-off. But if you've if you've been to um, Podcast Evolved, you've gone through everything there, and you're st- and you still want more, you can always head over to fanthropological.com and uh, hear all of our episodes. Um, different fandom every week. We're almost at a hundred. Um, I, I I don't know what number this is, but we're good. I know we're at a hundred uh, coming fairly soon. So uh, there's plenty. There's plenty there. There's plenty of fandoms. If you're you know if you've you've got a particular fandom, we've there's a good chance we've covered it. If we have not, please email us at nick at the and let us know, and we will uh, we'll fit it into the schedule. This podcast is Fanthropologic, but the three of us are the Nick's Cast, and you can find us at the Nick's Cast literally everywhere on the internet. Um, <laughs> if there's a place that you search for us and can't find the Nick's Cast, let us know immediately. Uh, let's say let's say via Twitter, um, and we'll uh, think about it. <laughs> Depending on what, I don't know, I don't know what's left. Snapchat, mm-hmm. as well as in the. Um, the podcatcher that you're listening to this in, please consider subscribing. You get a brand new episode every Friday and uh, leave a rating or review. And as we know, it is the most wonderful time of the year, not, uh, not Halloween or October, but Dr. Who time, Dr. Who's back. And the next cast is reviewing it over at who and review, which can be found at who and review.podia.co a revolving cast of six different hosts reviewing, uh, the new series right as it comes out. Should be out same day. So yeah, go over and uh, check it out. If you have any interest in Doctor Who, the new season at all, please do check out Who in Review. Okay, over to you, Z. Thanks, G. <laughs> and also, thanks to all of you out there who are listening to this podcast. If you do happen to listen to it as a podcast, there, there's one thing you might be missing out on, you know, whether you're listening to it through your earbuds, through stereos or headphones or grave mind <laughs> connections or whatever the case may be. You could also be watching it. And, you know, really, if you, if you come to twitch.tv slash the next cast and watch this podcast being recorded live before your very eyes, you get the full experience. You get to see us and our guests. And also, of course, hear us and our guests. And you also <laughs> get the chance to participate in the famous last words. They're famous and they're definitely the last part of the show. And they are <laughs> your chance and our chance to make a statement or ask a question about the fandom that we will be covering in the next week of the podcast. Next week, we are going to have a, a special guest, uh, Vry Kaiser, uh, who is one of the contributing authors to the anime feminist. And we've had them on during the race against time. And they are going to be chatting with us about a fandom that I know Literally nothing about, except maybe I watched a movie. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles. Uh, to those of you who do not know, you may know of a film called Interview with the Vampire, released in 1994 with Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, Christian Slater, and Kirsten Dunst. If you don't, then you're really lost and <laughs> you're probably in good company. Um, <laughs> but it's an entire book series that's been running since 1976. Wow. Uh, it's still, I think there's a new book slated to come out later this year. That is the fandom we're talking about next week. So everyone, what are your famous last words about the Vampire Chronicles? 
This one's a thinker for this sure. Thinker. <laughs> I have seen the, I have seen the movie. I'm Ooh. sure I saw it like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when I was a kid and I probably shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> I remember I remember it was very sexy. Ooh. That's the only thing I remember about it. <laughs> Everyone just looked real good. Uh. <laughs> it's a pretty star-studded cast for the movie. Yeah. This is just based on sort of what uh, what we were told by Fry when we brought up the possibility of talking about this fandom. Um, it seems like it's fairly curative. It's fairly like the fandom has a very tight grip on what is and isn't the case in this universe. So what I'm wondering is, is there any fanfic? Or are people so so uh, dogmatic about sticking to what Anne Rice has written and nothing else that fanfic is forbidden. Like what is the attitude? Yeah. Toward, mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to how much um, actual history is, is threaded through the vampire chronicles. Hmm. Like could be, there was a guy named Dracula once end of story but like i'm I'm curious if there's, if there's like you know more more involvement of history or if it's just kind of if it's just kind of a jumping jumping off point with vlad the impaler etc i think i'm gonna my thing to ponder is going to be how much is the vampire chronicles the beginning of the vampire craze yeah interesting interesting now is this is this why we have twilight if so, Ooh. thank you. Or maybe no, thank you. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and that leaves you, Krista. You are welcome to come up with famous last words or abstain. It's totally fine either way. How, how did the interview go? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I definitely don't remember the ending of that movie. <laughs> Somebody probably died. I but don't I don't. Know. I don't remember the interview either. Ah. <laughs> I'm the. We went to a con and somebody did one of the costumes. That's literally the only thing I can remember right now about. Remember people just like walking around in like, um, like Regency era clothes. Sounds right. That's all I remember. A lot of frills. A lot of frills and ruffles. Yeah. All right. So the only thing that remains to do is say, Krista, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I am always here to talk about Halo forever. <laughs> Just constantly. <laughs> um, meet up once I've read, you know, eight to ten, eight to ten of the books. I'll see you. I'll see you in a couple years. <laughs> Good dug in. But um, until next time, do email me, g at the com if you have a sign off line you think that I should use. Instead of the one we have now. Um, I'm curious to hear your submissions. Uh, But until then, until next time, we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) By the only... Am I the only other person who's having a I, bad connection with G? Me a too. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Fortuitous. I guess someone else is going to have to say something. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, so my connection's fine, is it? All right. Ah. <laughs> no, it's just like there's a little bit of a delay, and and you're like, you are the potatoist of quality. <laughs> yeah. Rude. But. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, first actually, off, everybody oh, out wait. there, listen. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did it again. Man. What am I? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll just be here until you guys are done. <laughs> yeah, you just hang out, all right? Just chill for a minute. 